Good morning, Bethel. Uh, it's really good to be with you guys today. We love coming here. We feel so loved whenever we come here. So thank you guys for having us and letting us speak for a little bit. Uh, like Michael said, I'm Colin. This is my wife, Madison. Um, we work with Chi Alpha at NC State, which is a campus ministry that uh, believes in making deep friends, devoted disciples of Jesus, and deliberate servants out of students during their time in college. Um, we love what we do. Uh, we got to do some really exciting things this year with Chi Alpha. Some of our favorite things that we did was we led a missions team of students to the Middle East. Uh, a lot of these students, it was their first time going on a missions trip, and they ranged from grad students to freshmen, and almost all, really all of them came home uh, asking questions like, how do I give a year after college, and where can I do that, or how can I support missionaries uh, even during college? So we were just super excited to see that, um, and we love that part of our job. Another thing that I did was lead a small group Bible study with guys. Uh, it was a, a fair amount of guys, but we were really close, especially by the end. It was a really tight-knit uh, group, um, but it was just really awesome seeing them and walking with them grow in their commitment to Jesus and their commitment to righteousness and to the community of God. Uh, even some of them in their first year in college, really finding out what that looks like. Um, but mostly we want to talk today about and just give like an update to you guys, to this church, of what we're going to be doing this upcoming year. Um, first, it is that we're going to be working with Chi Alpha at NC State again next year, which we're really excited about. Um, we're going to be stepping into a few new roles, both Madison and I. Um, starting off, I'm going to be heading up uh, the outreach with Chi Alpha at NC State. Outreach to us is just preaching the good news of Jesus where it hasn't been preached before. Um, and you wouldn't think that would be a thing on a college campus, but you would be amazed how many students and how many young people, especially now and more and more, are coming in and they have never heard the gospel. They have no idea what Christians believe. Um, and so I'm excited to, for the opportunity to be able to train and equip our students to be able to go out and win as many as possible to themselves and ultimately and hopefully uh, have a few be, become saved and have a, a knowledge of Christ through that. Um, another uh, new role that I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be on a diversity team. Uh, thankfully, with an African-American staff team member helping me out with that because I have no idea what I'm doing in that area. Uh, but this team was formed before all of the, the new stuff that has been going on, the, the mess that's been going on in our country. Uh, and it couldn't have been more preemptive, as you all know. Um, mainly, what we're going to be focused on this year is just racial reconciliation and healing, um, which definitely needs to happen. And I'm excited for that, especially in a time where, you know, with it, with all this stuff going on, and with it being an election year, all the things there are so many forces and people who would divide even Christians along all of the lines that they possibly can, including race. So I'm excited for the opportunity to be able to, uh, to work with that, to unite students under Christ. Um, Madison will be uh, continuing her role in missions. So she's been over missions last year and now this year again at NC State. Um, and basically what that looks like this year is she's just gonna be finding new ways to connect students to missionaries, 
whether it's giving them opportunities to pray for them and, and partner with them in prayer or financially with the work that they're doing or be able to talk to them. Um, we're not sure what the spring break trips are going to look like this year. It doesn't look like those are going to happen, but Madison has already been doing a great job of putting together resources and, and contacting missionaries who are excited about uh, getting involved with our students um, because the only way that students are going to know about missions and know that that is an option for them is by talking to missionaries, getting involved, going to the field, things like that. Um, and then lastly, the, an old role that we're still excited about because it's the heart of Chi Alpha is just discipleship. Um, we get to meet with student leaders uh, in Chi Alpha and they come in all shapes and sizes and all different maturity levels and walks, points of, in their walk with Christ, um, which is just super fun. We get to walk with them through all kinds of things, all kinds of challenges, whether it just be with college or being a new leader or whatever. Um, Madison has a, has a good example of that with a, a student who recently became a Christian this past year in Chi Alpha, uh, and she's going through Leviticus for the first time. So as you can imagine, she has lots of interesting and entertaining questions for Madison that she gets to answer every week. So that's just a real joy part of our job. Um, but we have one more thing along with all that, along with our work with Chi Alpha that we're going to be doing this year that Madison is going to share with you guys. Yeah, so before I forget, if you want to follow along with all of the things we're doing at NC State Chi Alpha Instagram, you can find us at NC State XA. You'll also find ways to pray for unreached people groups and missionaries and everything you can find about us is on there. Um, but I just want to say thank you to you guys. You have been supporting me since I started out in ministry, even before I married into this church. And so thank you for that. I'm about to start my fourth year of full-time ministry. He's about to start his third. And we're just grateful for all that you have sown into our lives so that we can do this job. We could not do it without you. Um, but the most, thing, the most exciting thing that we get to do this year is we get to head back to Mali, West Africa, where we spent one year together while we were engaged, which was a fun time. And I've also spent several weeks there on different Chi Alpha trips. But uh, there is a new team forming in Mali, and the team leaders have asked Colin and I specifically to come and help run their language program for new workers coming to the field who need to learn the local language, which is Bambara. And so there's a family of four and a married couple of two who are coming out along with us in October, and we get to oversee them taking their first steps in the heart language. And as I was thinking about the, uh, just the importance of this job that we've been asked to do, it reminded me of a quote that says, I will preach the gospel every day and if I must use words. And I appreciate the sentiment behind it that our actions should show people that we're different than the rest of the world. But in order to proclaim the gospel, you have got to use the words. You have to say it. You have to tell people. You can't just assume that they know you're acting the way you are because you're a Christian. They probably don't know unless you explicitly tell them. And that's even more important in a place where nobody's ever heard the gospel. And in Mali, you can do next to nothing without speaking the local language. And so it is crucial that these families master this language and learn how to communicate in the heart language of the people. And so we're excited to be a part of that. We are not uh, professionals by any means in the language, but we know enough to be able to give these families a good start over there. And we're just grateful for the opportunity to do that. So thank you for partnering with us and helping us get back over there. Yeah, and all, everything that we do, uh, whether it's with Chi Alpha or overseas, is support raised. And so we raise funds for our life to be able to live and do this job. 
Um, this church supports us greatly, and many of you individuals in this church support us, whether on a monthly basis or you've given to our ministry at some point in the past, and we say thank you so much for that. Um, if you want a way that you can partner with us right now in this season, we've been doing a lot of support raising, which has been going really well. Uh, the last goal that we have to meet is we have about $3,000 in one-time uh, cash budget, and we're kind of looking at that as paying for our plane tickets to Mali because th that pretty much would uh, knock the biggest dent in that. So um, if you want a way to support us, then you can give towards that, and that will be what you're giving towards is those plane tickets. Um, of course, if you are interested in finding out what it would look like to be a monthly supporter, we are always looking for new monthly supporters as well, so you can talk to us about that. Um, and lastly, I'll say that uh, tithes to this church before, before supporting us because Bethel is doing really awesome things with missions and all kinds of missionaries all around the world, um, and it, it comes back around. Uh, and even with me, Bethel has supported me even before I was in college by, by the scholarship, uh, believing that I would go to college and find a place in ministry, whether it was full-time or just a life ministry in college and after college, um, and, and them believing in me and supporting me with that, I believe definitely had an influence on the direction that my life went into full-time ministry. So uh, support Bethel, and, and we'll be in the back after uh, service, and you can talk with us. You can get a prayer card. Um, yeah, just come say hey if you want to. So thank you guys again so much for having us and giving us a chance to speak. Thank you. What the scholarship means was so well stated by Colin just now. The fact that they'll be in the back, I'm thankful to know that you'll remember them when you're leaving and if you are going to prepare a envelope for their upcoming trip just write molly in the line below giving online is something that a lot of you do now bethelderham.com there's a memo in the give feature there in the bottom right corner uh, in that memo just write as well molly and i know that is a very good land to sow into and that there's such a a bountiful harvest connected to those two individuals um, it's something that this morning, I want to continue as we go forward, um, ask Andrew Fisher if he would come up. He is a young man that is a, typically you would know him as the drummer, the older brother to our fantastic current drummer, um, very sharply dressed individual this morning, and I am very appreciative of him, and uh, would you give him a hand as he gives you the testimony that God's placed on him. I have to say the outfit was purely coincidental. Uh, I just felt like dressing up, so. Um, if you don't know me already, my name is Andrew Fisher. I've played drums here for eight or nine years. Um, I'm currently in an accelerated program at NC State towards a bachelor's and master's degree in biomedical engineering. Um, in high school, I gained a serious appreciation for how God has designed the human body, how incredibly intricate it is and how technology can be used for its healing and rehabilitation. I wanna pursue that interest as a biomechanical engineer designing prosthetic limbs or exoskeletal devices, stuff like that, just cool, just build cool stuff. <laughs> um, my main extracurricular activity at NC State is Chi Alpha, as Colin Madison mentioned. 
Um, I was a part of Colin Jonathan's small group. It was a great time. We studied the word. We talked a lot about sexual purity and maintained accountability groups among all the guys. Um, we played a lot of intramural sports. That was awesome. And then most recently, I joined Chi Alpha's worship team as a drummer there. So I get to continue my music ministry, which I really enjoyed here. Um, as many of you know, this past March, um, Jonathan, six other Chi Alpha members, and I went to the Czech Republic on one of the spring break missions trips. Um, some of our ministry opportunities were thwarted by corona and the subsequent lockdowns throughout Europe. Uh, we barely got back in time before all the airports shut down and stuff. Um, but we had many intimate conversations and volunteer opportunities with Czech students and citizens, and it's just amazing how God's love can overcome the language barrier and just how God draws everyone close to him even halfway across the world and how we could be a part of that. It was a really amazing experience. Since high school, I've had a couple of jobs. Uh, first was the glamorous, chicken, uh, glamorous kitchen at Chick-fil-A. Uh, secondly, I worked in NC State's Department of Math as an IT technician. But most recently, which I want to focus on as it's kind of a big praise report is I got a job as a resident advisor in one of the residence halls at NC State. And what this is, I get to oversee, um, I mean, one end of campus, but I get to have one-on-ones regularly with 30 guys in my residence hall. There are 60 guys in my residence hall who are, I'm living next to, and I get to, you know, be an influence to and enforce campus policies and be the disciplinarian and that kind of stuff. But I also get to lead my hall in campus involvement, and obviously that's a very big kind of inlet towards Chi Alpha, because that's something I'm heavily, heavily um, involved in. Um, I believe earning this position was definitely ordained by God after a long period of growth and prayer. I know, I mean, my mom and I were just talking about this recently, how it's like I've been working towards this position for this entire past spring semester, and I just got my job actually like a week and a half ago, whereas most people got their jobs in like February or March. I was like, look, God, I kind of need this money to pay for school. Like, you know, I kind of need this job, you know, and it came within the last week and a half. But I realized that this whole year I've been growing a lot and I've learned to own my own faith so that when I'm in front of those, you know, 30 guys and I'm having one on ones, it's like, look, this is my life. This is how. This is what I do with my time on campus, you know. This is something I've committed myself to, and I know that wasn't by chance. I know that God has equipped me to be, you know, a successful student, but also, you know, a godly example and a godly influence to these guys that I get to live immediately next to. I mean, what a better way to minister, right? So I know that God has blessed me in all these various stages of life, and this, this, School year is going to be really strange, but I know being an RA is just another opportunity to reflect Jesus and be a godly example. Um, I'd like to thank the fellowship for their generosity um, for this scholarship. I'd especially like to thank Pastor and Carol and Michael and Christy for their prayers and support because it really is effective. I mean, just your prayers are like really effective, and I ask that you pray for this RA position that I would you know, touch these guys, I touch the students that I interact with, and um, yeah, I just look forward to how all of us students are used in our respective fields, so thank you.
Once a long time ago, I was an applying biomedical engineer. God had plans for my life that I didn't understand at that point, but I was very thankful for that. It's amazing how you can see, by the way, NC State's not a Christian university, but God's using uh, many, many people for his glory through there. Same with Colin. Colin went into NC State and had no idea exactly the path the ministry would take, but that's the beauty of empowering young people that are living for God with scholarship material to see how God will continue to develop that in their life, whether or not they have, as Colin said, a lifestyle ministry in some kind of a secular vocation or a vocational ministry. Not all of the five recipients that from this church that received money, uh, which all five of our students were able to receive money, thankfully, uh, they're not all here today. Uh, a couple of them are out of town, but they were able to send their testimonies in uh, via a video. Uh, Mackenzie Fisher, would you play that video? Hey, everybody. Um, today, I just want to share a little bit with you about what my essay focused on this year for the scholarship. Um, so this coming up year, I will be a junior at Appalachian State University. Um, there, I'm studying to obtain my master's degree in elementary education. If anybody here knows me, you know how much I absolutely love working with children, uh, even though it can be pretty emotionally challenging sometimes, especially in the school system. It's a calling that I cannot run from. From the minute I began uh, volunteering in our Bethel Nursery, I believe I was in seventh grade, I knew that it was a path um, that God had placed in my heart, and I absolutely love it. Um, so this year, I focused a lot on a sermon that Pastor Don had preached recently on Paul's teaching in Acts. Um, and from this, I was just reminded of why I'm in this career path um, and my purpose for these children that I will be teaching. It's definitely not for the money, but because I believe that my classroom is my mission field. Um, so in Acts, it talks about how Paul went to Athens to preach in the synagogues. But when he got there, he seen the sin, the idolizing, everything that was going on inside the marketplace, the people who had absolutely never heard the gospel of Christ but truly needed it. Um, I think that for us, it's so easy to sit inside the four walls of the church sometimes, but I know personally working with our Bethel Missions team, it's amazing what you can see what happens when you go out to the community and touch those who are in need of the gospel. Acts 6, 17, 16 tells us that Paul was deeply distressed when he entered the city and saw the sin idolizing that was taking place there. I know personally from working in school systems already that it's amazing how a child's day can change when they walk in and have that love or that smile for you when they may be battling tougher things at home. Um, my biggest goal in becoming an educator is not only my mission field, but my marketplace. Um, I am super thankful for this network, the way that it recognizes me for managing the marketplace, and the gospel that can be spread beyond a pulpit or a Sunday morning sermon. It's really amazing. Thank you, everybody. I don't know if Mackenzie or anyone's online, but we love you very much. Um, and again, the the inspiration of the students, I think anyone who's a teacher understands exactly what she's talking about, how you can go on a missions trip, you can have a, a kind of a one-off experience, but when you can, are able to weave the gospel and that testimony into your life, the impact is unlimited. Uh, if Karen Perez would come up now, she is a young lady who is a significant other of Andrew Fisher, has been coming for many, many years now, and a uh, young lady very near and dear to Christy in my heart. The testimony that she's about to share, God has been working even before she came to this church, but it's been a beautiful thing to get to know her and to see God work in her life. Hi, for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Karen Perez. 
and I am a student at Appalachian State University. I am majoring in exercise science and minoring in chemistry. And a little bit, a little background of myself that inspired me to write my essay for the fellowship was that I was raised by a 17-year-old single mother. And my grandmother actually encouraged her to abort me. And because of like her circumstances and who her age and background. And therefore, I believe that pushed me and encouraged me to grow up a little bit faster. Um, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was 10 years old. And actually, the first woman who brought me, who took me to my first church, was the same woman who encouraged my abortion, my grandmother. And throughout my youth, I can say that my life as a Christian was complicated because of challenges and life experiences that threw me out of my focus with God. And within that, I reinvited him into my life a couple years later, when I was around the age 15. Um, and it inspired me to change my life and to really work hard. And I graduated high school with an associate's degree at the age of 17, and now at the age of 18, I'm a sophomore with college level, with college level credits, uh, with senior level college credits, sorry. Um, and also, I was able to deliver my baby sister, which inspired me to become an obstetric and gynecologist, and possibly even a double bore certified doctor in neonate or um, just family general. Um, I want to open my own private practice to be more flex for the flexibility, but not just that. I want to open a nationwide facility and hopefully one day worldwide where we can welcome women who were neglected by their families because of pregnancy and provide a safe, and a safe space um, and help deliver their, ch their children and um, meet every financial level need and um, also spread the word of Christ within this. And I wanna thank you guys for allowing me to reach one step closer to that dream of mine. Thank you. Wow. What's there left to say, right? That is an amazing God-given vision, and I'm so thankful for Karen. Um, you'll, you'll notice as we continue on, there, there's so much diversity in the sense of the way God works with his people. You, God can be moving in one way in this individual's life and then have such another powerful, and they're completely different, and yet to God be the glory. Uh, this next one is Emma Hales, who is, again, not here. If you would play her video, she is a... Uh, Longtime member of the youth group and someone that we love dearly used to stand here and open up our service quite often before she went to college at Salem. Hey everyone, so I just want to share a little bit about this past year. Um, so this past year my, was my freshman year at Lewisburg College and at Lewisburg I played for the women's basketball team. And going into my freshman year I knew that the basketball court was where my mission field was and where Jesus was really calling me to be. And so as soon as the season started, I was already known as the girl who didn't party, 
drink or participate in a lot of things that, you know, regular college students participate in. And due to that, I was called names for following the Lord and was even picked on by my own teammates for always being happy, smiling on a daily basis through workouts, class, just wherever you saw me, I was always smiling. And to tell you being called names or always being told to stop smiling all the time was easy to deal with, well, that would be a lot because in all honesty, it was probably the hardest thing I've been through so far. Um, along with that, on a daily basis, our coach would always remind us of how our identity seemed to be more who we were as an athlete than anything else, which is far from the truth. And throughout the season, this became one of the biggest struggles I had to ask God for help to overcome. And I had to continue to remind myself that God didn't place me at Lewisburg to play for the name on the front or the back of my jersey, but for the name that is stamped on my heart, which is His. And although I received a lot of backlash for following God and doing things differently than others, I was able to share my testimony with my teammates. And I was able to tell them that an athlete isn't who they are. Basketball is what we may do, but who we are is daughters of the King. And I learned that will never compare to any other label, any coach, person, or the world can ever put on us. And through this year, I was truly able to understand why it is so important to be strong in our faith and for our identity to be fully in Him. But not only that, I was also able to go out and make disciples and to be a light to my teammates who were struggling with their own inner battles. And one of the many verses that ministered with me during this past year that I'm still keeping close to my heart for this following season is Matthew 5.16. And it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so I just want to thank the church for all the encouragement and prayers that you guys have given me throughout the year. And I'm blessed for it all. Thank you all. James and Jane, I don't know if you're online, but we're so thankful for your family. Love uh, Emma and Mackenzie. Uh, she is certainly a light. And even back when she was in school uh, here locally, she and she's still just, I guess, like an hour down the road. Uh, but she started a Bible study of her own volition and, and inviting kids to come, uh, you know, in the midst of the school day. And it just always has, you know, been persistent about really being that light and, and not just, you know, saying it or not just, you know, using that as kind of a, a, a pass to, you know, get here or there, but really letting that who she, be who she is. And if you've ever met Emma, you know that to be absolutely true. Um, our final testimony this morning is Jonathan Fisher, and we're very thankful for this young man as well. Um, and God's got a great plan for this young man's life, and uh, his testimony is, is one that is encouraging to me, and I know will be as well to you all. Hello, uh, my name is Jonathan Fisher. I am about to be a senior at NC State University and I'm studying computer science. And I just wanted to share very briefly my testimony with you guys and um, like Colin and Andrew, my testimony is very, uh, a lot of it is because of Chi Alpha. The reason I'm involved in Chi Alpha is actually because of Colin. I moved into NC State my first day, freshman year. I was sitting in my car, had not moved anything out of the car, and Colin texted me out of nowhere. and was like, hey dude, do you need any help moving in? I've got some friends and we'd love to help you. And sure enough, they showed up, they moved all my stuff in, they invited me to cook out that night, played frisbee golf, and I was like, these are my people. So I, <laughs> I stuck around with them and uh, I'm so, so glad that I did. Colin was actually my life group leader, our, our small group Bible studies my freshman year. And that year he taught me really just what it means to be a Christian guy, both by word and with deed. I really love what Madison said about 
his deeds certainly showed me what that means, but he was very explicit and upfront about this is why I live this way. This is what the Bible says, and here's why I think you should do this as well. And so I really appreciate that. Um, in addition, in Chi Alpha, they just really gave me a lot of opportunities to serve. I play piano on their worship team I have for the past three years, and I also went on the mission trip with Andrew, the Czech Republic. Um, unfortunately, coronavirus made it much different than we were expecting, but we were still able to minister to individuals, and it was life-changing, and I definitely want to take another mission trip of that kind. Um, another really big part of my testimony is my personal struggle with lust and something that uh, a lot of mentors in Chi Alpha helped me with um, and something that I really didn't like talking about. I felt like a lot of people did not want to address that issue, um, but it was really in Chi Alpha that guys were um, they wanted me to be open with that, and through them being willing to let me be vulnerable with them, I saw victory for the first time in my life, and I'm so grateful for that. And actually, this year, Colin and I led a Bible study together, and as Andrew also mentioned, we started accountability groups, and there have been four or five guys who were struggling with this at the beginning of the year who have now seen victory. So I am so excited for this upcoming school year. I'm leading another Bible study, and that is definitely something I want to talk to guys about, both in that life group and in one-on-one. -on -one. Just there, there is a possibility to see victory. Jesus is big enough because it happened to me. It's happened in other people's lives, I know. So I'm just so excited for that. Thank you. Again, very thankful for that young man. My testimony is very similar to his as well, and so it's something that to see young men be courageous and, and, and young people in general to be intentional about living out their lives and unashamedly, not just preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, but letting your life replicate that as well and not being afraid of, of saying who you are, where you were, who God has molded you and shaped you as the potter does the clay. And I think that is something that you're seeing evident in all these young lives. Uh, there were 30 applicants that were sent in this year. Of course, not everyone received a scholarship. Very thankful to say that our five did. We're very, very thankful and proud for each and every one of you. And it's something that over the years, this scholarship has been a blessing. Uh, but it's been a blessing to make a blessing for those that are coming through that they would continue to share that light. So would you give God the glory for all of this? And as we look forward to the word this morning, Pastor Don is coming and has some other exciting things to tell us and encourage us in, in the Lord. God bless y'all. I am humbled. by these testimonies. I first became pastor over 51 years ago of this church and one of the first things I wanted to do, Brother Denny, was provide scholarships for kids. It did not materialize until way later on in 1991, I became the chairman of the education committee for the fellowship. And we began this scholarship program then, about 10 years ago, rather than just providing scholarships to young men and young women that were just going to be in pulpit ministries, whether evangelists or pastors or missionaries. We extended it to the secular uh, 
people that were going to go out into all kind of fields. The marketplace ministry. I have a letter here, or a text, or rather, email from Morgan McAfee. She's studying for criminal law. How many, of you know, how many of you know our judicial system needs Christians? Moses Chowdhury is a wonderful minister in the southern part of India. I've been there and he has three beautiful daughters, he and his wife, and three wonderful, wonderful, talented son-in-laws. And we've helped his son-in-laws over the years with scholarships. By the way, we've provided, I keep saying almost a million dollars, we've provided a million dollars since 1991. <laughs> but we've helped all three of his son-in-laws, and they're now in ministry and scattered all over the southern part of India, Vijuwada, Hyderabad, and other parts. And to see what God is doing through this program and through this ministry is mind-boggling for me. I want to thank this church for the support of these ministries. I want to thank the parents of these young men and these young women. I think what is coming through for these moms and dads, the sacrifices that they have made for these young men and women. So thank you, mom. Thank you, dad. Thank you for your life, your testimony. And uh, to see them come through this church and to be able to reach out. And I could mention all of them. Of course, I guess, Andrew, I guess I could recognize you today. I didn't know with that suit on. Uh, you look sharp. You look sharp. But I imagine you were proud of the drummer we had today. That's his younger brother. Uh, to see them come through this church, not only just come through and sit in the pew, but minister. It takes time. What they prepared for, those songs that they've sung this morning, and they, they, they spend Wednesday nights and early Sunday mornings and and, and these young men, I never saw them one time say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to sing. I don't want to play. I don't, I don't want to be part of ministry. They're part of ministry. Well, I, I could go on and on, and I know we've taken a lot of time. I appreciate your patience. It is so good to see everyone here today. If I start mentioning our guests, I'll fall all over myself, but it's so good to have our guests with us today. And I appreciate you coming we do have our uh, outline available. If you don't have one, we have a little table here and a little table here. You're welcome to get, I want you to have one because I won't finish today because of the time element, but I want you to have an outline today to go through with it with me as we go. Father, we love you today. We will not leave here like we came in Jesus' name. I pray that your blessings will be upon every home, every family. God, as we stand here behind this sacred stand today, we pray for all of these young men and women that have a whole life before them to be a witness, a light, to be a testimony, to be the salt of the earth. And we pray that that would happen. 
We pray that you would protect them physically when they travel. We pray that you would protect them emotionally, protect them spiritually in every measure, and supply their need. We pray, dear God, for each one. I ask you to bless the reading of your word today and bless it in Christ's name. We pray the healing power of Christ. The healing power of Christ. Notice the introduction where there is the anointed word of God presented with power, love, and compassion. And where there are hearts turned to the Lord in repentance, the power of the Lord will be present to save and to heal. We believe here in this church, as a Pentecostal church, we believe that there is healing for the soul. But we also believe there's healing for the body. Many of us could give a testimony today how God not only has touched our spiritual man, but has also touched the physical man. And we thank God for that. Let me read, if you will, Luke chapter 5, verses 16 through 17. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Luke, Luke emphasizes the fact that Jesus prayed before critical events. Uh, the Bible records Jesus Christ, the New Testament records Jesus Christ praying 25 times. And many of these prayers were alone, isolated. And I want to get in that in, 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 later on, but uh, we find that he goes to pray. And that happened on a certain day as he was teaching, verse uh, 17, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power, notice this, notice it. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That is a powerful statement 619 of Luke also and the whole multitude sought to touch him for the power went out from him and healed them power was constantly flowing from Jesus Christ it's wonderful you turn these lights off air conditions off Walk out of this building, that doesn't mean the power is not coming through those lines. It's still flowing. And no matter, the power of the Lord was coming through Jesus Christ. God's power is available. Someone who says, well, this service is a little bit different today. It is. But no matter the service, no matter the circumstances, no matter if you're in church or out of church, understand that the power of God is available. Amen? His power. It is available. Jesus was continually filled with the Spirit, so supernatural power was continually available to him. Supernatural power was continually available. Luke 6.19. Luke 6.19. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them. Luke 8, 46. But Jesus said, somebody touch me, for I perceive power going out from me. 
And of course, we understand, as we preached a few Sundays ago, this was uh, the woman with the issue of blood. She was, had been hemorrhaging for 12 years, and she said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. She touched him, and power in, through Christ made her whole, set her free, delivered her from her bondage. A lot went into that, and I want to talk about that. This power, number two, this power must flow out. It's one thing for the power to be here, God's power, God's anointing. It's something else for that power to flow. Jesus said, who touched me? His disciples said, my, listen, there's a lot of people thrown in you. There's a lot of people touching that was touching you. Many touch Jesus, or many press, rather, towards Jesus, but few touch him. It means something to touch Christ. But when all of us today, when our faith, when our faith reaches out and touches him, he's here, amen? His presence is here. He's always here. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. His presence is here. So when our faith reaches out and touches him, something wonderful happens. It can be in the dead of the night. It can be when you're by yourself. No matter, no matter, God's power is always flowing. Faith taps into the power of the believer. 619. And the whole multitude sought to touch him for power went out from him. 846. We just read those two. Here they are, whether it's a woman with the issue of blood or it's a multitude of people seeking to touch him, the power certainly was flowing from Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. Flesh, notice your notes, presses. Faith touches. It's the touch of faith, a touch of purpose. That faith turns on the power of God. Your faith, just like you'd walk in that door, touch that switch and these lights come on. That's what happens when you exercise faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is something where a lot of people, or many people, will disagree with you. But it's biblical and it's true. Number three, the believer possesses this power. You receive this power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. I love this verse. But you shall receive power. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And he says unto the end of the earth. We receive it. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I want you to notice, and I'm reading from the Amplified. It's wordy, but it's important. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. And Peter said to them, Repent, change your old way of thinking, turn from your sinful ways, accept and follow Jesus Christ as the Messiah, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ because of the forgiveness of sins, and you will, this is his preaching, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is just to the disciples, and when they die, it dies out. 
Did I miss it? That's what a lot of people believe. They believe this anointing, this power, the manifestation of the Spirit of God stopped with the early church or with the disciples. But notice what he says. For the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and for all, say all, all who are far away, including the Gentiles and as many as the Lord our God calls to himself. Did he call you? Oh, yes. Every one of us. If you're a believer, well, he calls you whether you accept it or not. He calls us, and each one of us has that power. Each one of us. Luke chapter 24, 24 verse 49. Listen carefully. This is Jesus. I am sending the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you, but you are to remain in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed, fully equipped with power from on high. He said, Pastor, that was to the disciples. That was to the 12. That was to the early church. It's for you today. And I believe, my friend, that we need the manifestation of the power of God in this day and hour in which we live. We need to see churches, individuals. We need to see people, God's people, spirit-filled people, filled with the power of God, with it flowing through their life. Amen? It will flow. Christ's power is to come. The believer is to receive. Now notice the conditions that we must meet for this power to flow. Christ's power to heal is not exercised indiscriminately. Listen to this. It's important. But only upon those who go to him. You know what the Bible says? Are there any sick among you? Let them do what? Call. You see, folks, there's a responsibility on us. It's not just for the pastor or the elders or the leaders. All of us are to be determined. Notice what we have here in these conditions. There must be preparation, prayer. 25 times, as I said, the Bible records Jesus praying often, often. Notice some times when he prayed. Verse 20, 23 of Matthew 14. I threw uh, Tammy a curve and I'm, if she can't find the scriptures, it's not her fault. Matthew 14, 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when even came, he was all alone there. Secret prayer is very important. Reinhard Bunke, which was a German and uh, minister, I don't know of anyone that's ever reached as many mission, as many laws as Reinhard Bunke. He says, when you pray, go into your room, close your door, and pray. When he went into uh, uh, crusades, especially overseas, most of the time he was in Africa and other places overseas. Before he would start his uh, meetings, he would have a team of prayer warriors that went before him always into the city or the area where he was going to conduct a crusade. They would go there and spend days in prayer, like about 20, 25 people. And that's the reason that he was so effective for the Lord because he was dedicated to pray. Jesus prayed. 
It's important. Some say, prayer, okay, prayer. No, we need to pray. You out there? How many of you know we need to pray? It's not easy to pray. Sometimes it's work. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we must sacrifice. I must confess to you, we come down on Friday night. I don't want to come every Friday night to pray. The flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. We need to pray. And, and, and we can't see. First of all, we can't have this power in us unless we pray. It must flow through us. Through Here's some ways it flows. It flows through us through prayer. It flows through us with faith. Jesus looked at the woman and he said, Your faith hath made you whole. Amen? It's, it's faith. And then it comes by expectation. One of the songs we sung today is, Brother Matt, let us expectation, expecting something to happen. Do we go to church expecting something to happen? And then not only expectation, but determination. This woman had been sick for 12 years, very weak, and yet she pressed her way through the crowd so she could touch the hem of, his, of Christ's garment. Now listen to this. Jesus is preaching in a house. It's packed out. They bring a man, four people, brings a man paralytic, paralytic that, that can't get out of it. They bring him in a, in a bed or a cot. They can't get in the door. They can't if their head windows. They can't get in the windows. So what did they do? They climbed up on the house, tore off the roof, let the man down through that roof. You, you believe that's determination? Do you have that kind of determination? I used to attend Oral Roberts University. I used to attend Oral Roberts Crusades when he had his tents. Powerful man of God. He had this large, large, large tent that seated thousands. But then he had a smaller tent, which was larger than this building here, the small tent was. And it, it, was, it was full of people. And, and ambulances, one right after the other. People on crutches. People coming with all kind of assistance. This smaller tent was filled with people determined to receive healing. Now I've seen them where the, where the platform was full of crutches. But these people were determined. Didn't matter how they got there, they had to take an ambulance. If they had to get someone else to carry them, they were determined to get there for prayer. And often there was powerful, powerful healing. So there must be determination. There must be that time of saying, Lord, we're going to do it. If I have to tear off the roof, if I have to push my way through the crowd. So notice with me, if you will, God's power is available. This power must flow out. It will flow out of those that are obedient and that are full of his power. And through prayer, determination, certainly through expectation, and through faith, God will move. Now, let me finish this by saying this one thing. Some people will not receive. Five, notice on your notes, five kinds of people you can't help. Now, if you're ministering to people and, and they don't seem to receive, or, or maybe you're here today, and one of these is applicable to you. Notice, first of all, you can't help people who don't think they need help. 
You ever see those? Portland don't think it needs help. Chicago don't think it needs help. A lot of places don't think they need help. A lot of people don't think they need help. How many of you know we need help? All of us. I need help. We need help. And if we have a need, let's make sure we let that need be known. You cannot open people's eyes. You can only pray for them like Paul did. I don't have time to read it. Ephesians 1.18, a great prayer that he prayed for the church at Ephesus. Number two, you can help people who know they need help, but they don't want it. <laughs> Notice John 5 and 6. This man sat at the pool of Bethesda for year after year. Every year, the water was stirred and people would get in there and they would be healed. I don't know all about that, but I do know this. He sat there for a long time. Jesus come by. When Jesus noticed him lying there, helpless, knowing that he had already been long time in that condition, he said to him, I'm reading the Amplified, do you want to become well? And notice this. Are you really in earnest about getting well? <laughs> Are you serious? You know, people go to church. We go to church and enjoy the singing, enjoy the worship, the preaching, and we go home and, or whatever. And, and Do I really want help? Am I earnest about serving God? Am I in earnest about receiving from God? Number two, you can't help people who know they need help, but they don't want it. Jesus said to this man, you're going to be made whole? Okay. Number three, you can't help people who don't want it yet. Felix, the, the, the Roman governor, Felix of Judea, Paul was preaching to him and he got so stirred, he got under conviction. You know what he said? He said, listen to what he said. Now as he reasoned about righteousness, Paul, self uh, control and the judgment to come. Felix was afraid and answered, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. That's the way people are. I want it, but not now. I got a few wild oaks to, sh to sow. I want it, but not now. Listen, we need it now. Amen. You can't help people who don't want it from you. Uh, if brother so-and-so would pray for me or, 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 or if evangelist so-and-so was here or if I was at this big uh, church or, listen, no matter, I, we need to be willing to take it from no matter who it comes from. God, give it to me. I need deliverance. I need salvation. I need healing. I need to be set free. I'm tired of carrying this burden. I'm tired of being burdened down. I'm tired of struggling with this thing time and time again. This habit, this, this, this bondage that I'm in. I'm tired of it. And then number five, you can't help people who aren't willing to do what it takes to get it. P Peter came to Jesus and said, we need to pay our taxes. Jesus said, use your talent. You know what Peter's talent was at that particular time? He was a fisherman. Go get your pole and put a fish hook on it and go down and go fishing. So Peter went down and he threw the hook in the water and out comes a fish. And guess what? Wow, in that mouth of that fish was money. So he takes the money and he goes and pays their taxes. Wow. You see, a lot of people want blessings, healing, deliverance, but they want you to do the fishing. God Almighty at times wants us to put forth that effort. 
We're going to sacrifice and receive from God. As uh, they come to, to sing for us, let me end by looking at blind Bartimaeus. I love this story. It's a great story. And most of us, if not all of us, have heard it probably many times. Then they came to Jericho. This is the Amplified. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and the large crowd, a blind beggar, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road, as was his custom. Look at verse 47. When Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, Messiah, have mercy on me. Many sternly rebuked him. Hold, hold your peace. Shut your mouth. They sternly rebuked him. But the Bible says, but he kept on shouting out the more. Messiah, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man and telling him, take courage, get up. He is calling for you, throwing his cloak aside. He jumped up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? What do you think Jesus asked him? You knew Jesus knew. Anybody knew he needed to be healed of his blindness. But Jesus said, let's get specific. Let's not play around. What do you need? What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Master, let me regain my sight. Jesus said to him, go. Your faith and confident trust in my power has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following Jesus on the road. He knew he needed help. He wanted help. He wanted it now. He wanted it from Jesus. And he was willing to pay the price. He called out, shouted out. He took that cloak. You can say, hey, what kind of cloak was it? I don't know. Maybe you've got a cloak. Maybe you've got something burdening you down. Maybe you've got things in your life. You need to take it off and throw it down and say, Lord, I'm coming to you. And the Bible says, the real translation said, he jumped up and he went to Jesus. Stand with us, if you will. Let's sing a song.